each of us are connected to food systems. So you and I have a vested interest in understanding its workings, challenges, and potential solutions. In my role at Google, one of my responsibilities is to ask, what are the impacts of our food choices? Not just on our individual health and well-being, but also on the food systems we are a part of, our producers, our suppliers, society, and the planet. I believe we all have a responsibility to ask big questions like this one. The answers can open a world of possibility. I invite you to join me in meeting the leaders who have dared to step up to answer these bigger questions to create a better food future for us all. This is Food Lab Talk. Thanks for joining me for another Food Lab Talk. I am Michael Bucker. Tell me if you've heard this one before. If food waste is a country, it would be like the third largest source of emissions. So it's like China, US, food waste. But did you know that 37% of that waste actually comes from the kitchens of everyday households? Through their innovative technology and lateral thinking, Matt Rogers and the team at Mill have a plan to ensure household food waste does not end up in a landfill. Talk about a food shot. As a former engineer at Apple and co-founder of Nest, Matt understands how to create products that drive lasting change. He believes technology, coupled with deep empathy for the user experience, has the opportunity to solve a problem like food waste in a way that is impactful for both people and the planet. Mill transforms food waste into something useful for a circular food economy. Matt describes it as the very first table-to-farm solution. On today's episode, you'll hear about why Matt left Google to go dumpster diving, how Mill is making food waste reduction at home more convenient, and his advice for other entrepreneurs passionate about transforming the future of food. Here's my interview with Mill founder and CEO, Matt Rogers. I started my career at Apple, working on the iPod and the iPhone, uh, left Apple to start Nest, building incredible smart products for the home, including the Nest thermostat and the smoke alarm. Joined Google in 2014 and helped kickstart what's now Google Nest, building man, dozens of great products for the home at Google. I left Google in 2018 to start a family. I have two little kids now and have been working on kind of the unsung areas of climate since. So my wife and I started a, a small team to focus on philanthropy and investing in the areas of climate that had the least attention. And that's one of the things that, that brought me here today. Waste is really important. It's one of the biggest things that we make. It's the second biggest product of humanity. Like I think after concrete, waste is number two. And if you look at what's in the waste, well, you know, what's in a landfill, the biggest thing is food, which is astonishing. It's terrible, actually. It's terrible from like the moral and ethical sense of how much food we throw away, but also from a climate angle, when food goes to landfill, it doesn't just biodegrade. It actually releases methane, which is like 80 times worse than CO2 for the environment. So that's why I'm here, like working on a really meaningful and important climate problem that actually is tractable. 
a problem that we actually could solve. Got it. So maybe then just pursuing that path, Matt, you started a new company, Climate Tech, and you are so deep in, so you know so much more about it. There are a gazillion opportunities that you could pursue. So talk to me a little bit about from how did you start with a thousand ideas to ultimately narrowing it down? And then how did you ultimately end up with what you're about to launch? So in 2020, so this is like peak pandemic. Think like we're all locked in our houses. We don't even know what's going on. Can we go outside? Can we not go outside? Living literally in our own trash. I get a call from an old colleague from Nest and Google, Harry Tenenbaum, who was an old friend. He ran Nest.com for us. Really, really smart guy and someone I really respected. He called me with this kind of seed crystal of an idea of decentralizing infrastructure, which is it's kind of a strange idea, right? Like, oh, like, can we take big infrastructure and break it down into smaller pieces? And the parallels actually to what happened in the energy industry over the last 20 years something that was intriguing to me. So like we used to have big power plants and now we have solar panels and batteries and Nest thermostats and electric vehicle chargers. And he said like, well, like could we do something similar in waste? So I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Uh, I'm intrigued. And like from my inside days, from my investment days, I've been looking at, at waste as an important area for climate and for the environment that's overlooked. So like, okay, this is, this is worth digging into. And in starting a company, one of the most important things is who's your partner. Just have a great partner that like, you see eye to eye with that you've got a great relationship with because, man, the journey is long and hard. So spending time with Harry, looking at the waste industry was a lot of fun. We brought together a few advisors and friends to kind of dig in with us. And what was cool about starting a company in 2020 that was different than any other time I've ever heard of is like no one's on vacation. You can call anyone in the world, any expert. It's like, oh, I normally they're too busy. Sorry, I, I have a conference I'm speaking at or you know, I'm on vacation this week. Sorry, I'm, I'm busy. But literally, we would cold call professors, people in the government, just like trying to get their advice, pick their brain on waste. And everybody would answer the phone or their emails. Everybody. It's a kind of unique thing to 2020. So yeah, like, there aren't too many problems out there that are like 10% of global emissions that are still, you know, able to make forward progress. And that was one of the things that jumped out to us, that food was the biggest slice of things in the landfill. It's the thing we dispose of the most. About half of it is from our homes. Also astonishing to us. You know, like if food waste is a country, it would be like the third largest source of emissions. So it's like China, US food waste, like mind blown. I, I didn't even know it was a problem. Like the Normal kind of thought is like you throw the banana peel in the trash and it just kind of goes away, it biodegrades, it's fine. But that's not the case. And I wasn't even aware of how bad the problem was. So like, as you start going down the rabbit hole, we realized more and more how big this was and that actually like a new system was needed. And that's the company we ended up creating with Mill. It's a new system for dealing with food. Tell me a little bit more. Because how do you ultimately say an incredible complex problem very decentralized because it's in everybody's home. But how can you create a product or a solution or a platform, whatever it is you are coming out with? How can you ultimately touch multiple homes to really make a difference at scale? Looking at the problem, it's really a problem with consumer behavior. It's really a daily ritual 
that we have. And today, the easiest thing to do is to try to get rid of this stuff as fast as possible. Food waste is gross. And like, I'm a very well-meaning you know, climate enthusiast. I want to try to do the right thing. My wife and I would have these little bowls on the counter that we would put the scraps in. And there was a point in 2017 or 2018 where like the fruit flies invaded our house. And we had to put these like yellow sticky fly paper all over the house and we still couldn't get rid of them. And as you can imagine, even being the most well-meaning environmentalists, that bowl was gone. And for us, like the easiest thing would be to just put it in the trash and get rid of it every night. And that's probably how it is for most people. Like no one likes trash. No one likes rats and fruit flies and the icky drippy bags and the sprint down the hall. Hopefully you don't have a rip and things fall over the floor. No one likes it. So today the easiest thing to do is throw it away and get it out as fast as possible. That's the system we have. But the system doesn't have to be that way. And this is a lesson learned from the nest journey is that if you make the right thing, the easy thing to do, it becomes the new default behavior. So that's what we built. So we built a new system. The first part of the system is a new kind of bin for your kitchen, which dries, shrinks, and de-stinks food. So it makes the easy thing the right thing. It takes all the food that you can't or don't eat and makes what looks like coffee grounds, but it's not coffee grounds. It's just dried food. We actually call them food grounds because it's still food. And they're not gross. They don't smell. They don't rot. They're shelf stable and they're small. So because food is 80% water, when you take the water out, it gets really small. And what's cool is the same process that we use to dry it, to make it small and not gross, also enables us to build a new kind of logistics network to get it back to us. So on average, I think five or 600 pounds of food waste a year at any given household in the US. It's a lot, hundreds of pounds. So we can do with all this stuff by making it small and light and shelf stable. It enables us to get us back to us in a new way, not in a garbage truck, but in the mail. So once or twice a month, you put these food grounds in a box and through our app, we let the post office know there's a package ready to get picked up. The box is already pre-labeled from us. You put it on your front door, they come pick it up and get it back to us so we could get it back to farms to feed animals. Obviously, the best thing to do with food is to eat it. But if you can't eat it all, and sometimes there's things that we can't eat, like banana peels, the next best thing would be to feed it to an animal. About 30% of the arable land on Earth is to feed livestock. So it's an enormous amount of land and water and energy just to feed the animals that feed us. So wouldn't it be great if the food that we didn't eat could go feed them? So that's what we're doing. So we get all this material back to us. We process it, pasteurize it, filter it, take out any contaminants, test it and create an agreement for chicken feed. I think we might be one of the first companies in the world to do this end to end, from your kitchen table back to the farm. There's a lot of farm to table today, but I think we're the first to go table to farm. Gonna dig a little deeper. Gonna we get literally into the trash. <laughs> Talk to me a little bit more about the bin. Is it an amazingly beautiful design bin and can I customize it to make it actually fit into my kitchen? Or is it one size fits all? How does it work? If you think about the team at Nest, and if the team at Nest designed a kitchen trash bin, it's actually what, very much what we did. So our lead industrial designer, Rocky Jacob, actually was our lead designer at Nest. A really great guy. It's stainless steel and white. Beautiful. It's about two feet tall. Has a foot pedal. 
has a kind of wood veneer top, beautiful product, something you actually would want to have in your kitchen, but also feels familiar, much like the Nest thermostat where like you could walk up to it and know how to change the temperature, you know, turn the dial up or down. It's very obvious. This is very similar. You step on the pedal, it opens up, you take your dinner scraps or your cutting board and you drop it in and you don't think much else about it. Everything else is automatic and behind the scenes. That sounds easy peasy. But then what about what is in it for me? Because as of today, easy peasy, everything in the same trash can. Once a week, somebody comes by, picks it up. So what is in it for a non-interested, non-committed consumer? So no one likes trash. And one of the things that we've learned on this journey is that actually this is a pain point for everybody. And I think about like lessons learned from my years at Google. Larry Page used to talk about the toothbrush test. And like, if it's a product that you use like twice a day or more, those are the kind of products that really take off. And gosh, you touch the trash can so many times a day and it sucks and it doesn't have to be this way and it stinks. And who likes another chore? And I mean, for our house, like I think about my wife Swathi telling me it's time to take out the trash again, literally every day. So with Mill, you're down a chore. That's one less chore per day because Once you take the food out of the trash, your trash doesn't fill up very often. And what's left over isn't very stinky. So it's really great. Like our bin doesn't fill up very quickly. It takes three-ish weeks to fill up the mill kitchen bin. But also by taking the food out, your normal trash doesn't fill up very often. And also what you take to the curb isn't so gross, isn't so stinky. So one, it's great to be down a chore. Two, smell. So when you dry food, it doesn't smell. It doesn't go bad. And the kitchen experience just gets so much better. And especially with a lot of us working from home these days, who likes a stinky kitchen or a stinky trash bin? So it's just, it's great not to have those smells in the house. And third is saving money. In a lot of cities around the country, you pay per month based on the size of your trash cart. The bigger the bin, the more you pay. And I think our house, we used to have a 64 gallon cart and it was like $70 a month. And with Mill, since we're throwing a lot less away, we downsized. It's like a 16 or 18 gallon cart. And we're saving like 30 bucks a month, which is basically the cost of the whole membership for Mill. Can you talk a little bit more about membership? What is the economic model for you? Yes. And this is a little bit different. This actually is another lesson learned from Nest. So the bin, the send back experience, new charcoal filters, warranty, all those things, it's all bundled in a membership for about a dollar a day, about $33 a month. You get everything. There's no upfront costs. There's no like activation fee. There's no like deposit. It's just all included. And we did that for a number of reasons. One, thinking about building a circular product that's going to be good for the environment. We shouldn't be in the business of having to create new upgrade cycles every two years. And hey, like that one you had is outdated. Like it's good and it's going to stay good for a really long time. And it's in Mill's best interest to keep it running for a really long time too. So that's, that feels good. We're not in the business of creating e-waste. Two, like lesson learned from Nest. We had this great product, Nest Cam. People loved it. For like $200, you get a great security camera for your house. And you got to pay like $10 a month for Nest Aware to get the good features and to get the recording and the smart features and the machine learning. And people were pissed about that. Like it should just all be together. And that's eventually where things ended up. We ended up doing more bundles and including more things together. But wouldn't it be better just to start that way? It's certainly harder for us as a company to build the kind of business like that. but. It's much better for the people at home. But from a scalability perspective, 
not knowing exactly how your product is going to work, that there is probably more, quote unquote, physical components in the trash business than, for example, a Nest camera. So when you grow, the economies of scale will be there, probably be at a lesser scale than with the tech products. Is that true? And then how does it actually work for you? Are you looking for scalability in areas first or does it make a difference because everything is going to come back to you by mail anyway? So this is like the double black diamond of startups. It's one of the hardest companies I've worked on or been a part of. And I've invested in probably almost 100 companies at this point. Normally, just the hardware company is... That's a hard company. People are like, oh, hardware, that's, that's tough. But like hardware plus logistics company plus a food manufacturing company all in one. It's really hard. But actually, what's nice is we've tried to design the company so that actually it's easy to scale. One, like on the manufacturing side, that's what we do. And we've worked with a number of suppliers that actually are much bigger than we are. And we're kind of sizing our manufacturing and supply chain to be actually a big company. On the logistics side, this was a natural next step from working with the mail. Actually, it's great to work with the USPS because they go everywhere every day. It's one of the, the great things about this partnership. One, they come to your house every day, rain or shine, and those trucks mostly go back empty. So from an environmental perspective, it's great. We're not putting more trucks on the road. But two, also from a business perspective, it enables us to scale very quickly. We don't need to worry about adding more trucks or more drivers. Just They're already there. And from a food manufacturing perspective, what's nice is food grounds are still food. And what we sell to farmers to feed chickens is still food. The transformation is actually pretty light. It's more about filtering and sorting and sifting and a pasteurization step to kill contaminants rather than a transformation. It's a pretty capital and operationally light process, which is really nice. See, if you think about the stuff that we ate, we eat great stuff, you know, meat and dairy and vegetables and fruits. And from one second, it was food for us. And then five seconds later, it was trash. That doesn't make any sense. It was food five minutes ago. It's still food. Let's just get it to the right place so it can stay food. And that's kind of our mentality on that. Got it. Really, really interesting. I want to go back a little bit to your initial drive, climate tech, because this podcast is really about individuals who want to make a difference in the food loss and waste arena. And as you have so well articulated, it's a big, big challenge, but it's really, really hard to get going with something. And you found what I hear, an amazing niche that you're going to roll out and then rapidly scale, hopefully. So I have deep respect for individuals like you, Matt, who actually who take the leap of faith, get going, and then for a great number of quarters, years, are willing to learn what doesn't work in order to learn a little bit more about what might work. But when you think about the opportunity cost for you, so as you are a true believer and you want to make impact at scale, how do you ultimately decide for yourself that the thing that you believe has promise is the right things to move forward with versus being challenged by the critical on the side to say, is that all? Aren't you going to do something else that make more impact? How do you balance that? Oh, this is a, it's a really good line of thinking. When I think about what it takes to start a new company or to build a new product to do a 1.0, it's not just about the product and the market and the problem, but actually one of the things I think about is, do we have the skills to solve this problem? And when I was an investor, it's one of the things I'd use a lot is, is this founding team the team to solve the problem that I've identified? And 
it's one thing to identify a problem and to have a great idea, but it's another thing to actually be able to make progress on it and to actually be able to push forward the solution. And this is one where I think when Harry called me, that was the kind of the light bulb moment for me is I could build a new bin for the kitchen. Like that's doable. I didn't realize how hard it was going to be. And man, if I knew, poof, <laughs> this is much harder than I thought, but like, oh, like that's conceivable. Like I could build a new bin. And uh, one of our founding team members, Alyssa Pollock, was one of the first people at Uber working on Uber Eats, one of the kind of founding team members at Uber Eats. And she's like, yeah, like this is a tractable problem. Like we could do this. You know, if, if we could get food anywhere in the city to anywhere else, like certainly we get it back to the right place. So I think there's a little bit of like, you've got to believe, but also you've got to have the skills to do it. And if I rewind the clock back to when I was starting Nest back in 2010, I don't think I'd be ready for Mill. I think it took Nest to be able to get to this next step. Yeah. It is behavior change, as you said earlier. So what are your thoughts on what your organization is going to do to keep the individuals engaged? So it's not just a shiny object you use once and then never to be used again. Are there incentives or ways for you to make trash sexy and actually to stay involved like you did with the Nest thermostat? Uh, absolutely. And actually, I'm, I'm glad you asked this. It's something we think about a lot. One of the early lessons learned at Nest was you have to keep people engaged and you have to give them not just like data, but actually like information and insights into what's going on with this system and what impact they're having. So that, that's actually very much what we're doing. So we've actually built a scale into the milk kitchen bin. We actually know exactly how much food waste you're generating. And since we collect the material, we actually know how much impact you're having on the environment. So we're going to start providing like monthly impact reports on how much food waste you've created and how much impact you had by getting this stuff back to farms instead of landfills. But also actually over time, maybe we start giving you insights in how to waste less. And another lesson learned from Nest, by giving people information on their energy use, we saw actually they would start to use less over time just by comparing them with their neighbors and just giving them these insights building awareness of the problem. And I think ultimately, like, if we're able to make people aware of how much food waste they're creating, maybe when they're going to the grocery store, maybe they'll buy a little bit less, they'll only buy what they need. And that's actually an enormous amount of impact. And we can actually have, have even more systematic change. So I'm hearing you say that if I sign up once a month, I'm going to get a little email from the organization that says, you save this, but compared to your neighbors, you are either above or below. You got it. Exactly. And every family, when you ask them, thinks that they waste less than the average. Actually, I think NRDC did a study a few years back about this and they pulled Americans. And I think 82% of Americans said they wasted less than the average. And that's just not how averages work. And just think of my own family. So Swati and I have been living with Mill for months now. And we learned that we were wasting about seven pounds of food per day, which is like three or four X the average. It's like we're way out, like we're like four sigma out. Uh, we got two little kids and everything ends up on the floor. But actually, it ended up changing some of our habits. Like we started portioning less to our kids. We started buying less. And you think about like those plastic salad tubs that you buy at the grocery store and like half of those always end up in the garbage. Like we started buying less of those. And Mill had made us aware that we didn't even know how much we were wasting before. Fascinating. And then... I'm sure that a part of the segment wants to be involved as well. What happens ultimately with the 
the end product. Are you going to actually tell stories as well about how my waste product ended up at the chicken farm next door and that therefore I now get actually eggs from the chicken farm that actually is buying from my stuff? Yeah, we haven't figured this part out yet, but actually, I hope that one day as a thank you, you'll get a delivery of eggs from the farm. Like, how cool would it be if it was farm to table, back to farm, and we actually, we built the whole loop. And we made this really cool video for launching the company, and the kid at the beginning of the video is eating an egg salad sandwich, and at the end of the video, he's getting another egg salad sandwich. And wouldn't it be cool if, like, that's the reality that we end up building? Yeah, because it's crazy that we throw this food away today, and it goes to landfill entombed forever when we actually could be creating more food for ourselves and for, for society. Yeah. I have this feeling that the journey from your initial call from would you be interested to where you are today, you've had many ups and downs. So you're extraordinarily enthusiastic about the product and what is happening next. But from a realistic perspective, can you share with us a little bit about some of the valleys and what you've learned from those? It was really hard building a company during the pandemic. It's hard for me even to, to emphasize how difficult it is to start something from nothing when you can't even get together as a team. And like the creation of a new idea over Zoom, that in itself was like, like mind-blowingly hard. We also did this in the middle of like a global supply chain crisis. And I've built a lot of consumer products and hardware over my decades of career, but this was by far the hardest. You would call a supplier who you'd worked with for 20 years and they would say, we're too busy. Maybe we can get to you next year. Or maybe you'd call a supplier and like, hey, we'd love your business, but there's 60 week lead time for that part. We'd love to sell it to you, but you have to wait until next year. And it's just so hard to do anything in that kind of environment, let alone like, like actually creating something new that's never been done before. Everything was hard. I mean, we've all been through this collectively together the last couple of years. And it enables you to have a culture that's just very different. Like we're a company born in 2020. So just inherently have a lot of empathy for what's going on on the other side of the Zoom screen. Yeah. It's hard to imagine what you went through. Wow. If we can go back maybe to the, the higher level goal. So my organization and I are very focused on contributing to how we might reduce loss and waste in food systems. And just like you, I can quote the stats of how large the problem is and how complex. But what I find really, really hard is ultimately to go from that very high level broad statement to, but what difference can you make as an individual or as a leader? And what I hear you share with us loud and clear, actually, well, you can build a product. You can build ultimately an ecosystem. That's what you've done as well. And I think that's because you are a serial entrepreneur. For those who don't have your kind of experience, are there things that you say from, well, if I had more capacity and if I was either a politician or if I was X, I would dig into this because to me, it's so clear that that is an area that should ultimately be addressed by tomorrow night. Actually, the more time I've spent on it, I think waste is that area. On the energy side, we have solar and solar has gotten really cheap and is scalable and EVs are really taking off. The most practical thing we could do next is to stop food waste. It's really hard to say, hey, like stop eating meat or fly less, like don't fly anymore, like don't see your family. Like that's a really hard thing to ask people. It's not very practical. Stopping food waste is really practical. And actually, it doesn't require us to have a real like, 
breakthrough. We don't need to invent nuclear fusion to stop food waste. We just need not throw food in the trash. We need to change our purchasing habits. That's a very tractable problem. So I think you know, if I were a policymaker, if I was just someone at home, like this is a problem that's tractable. Actually, it's one where individual action could catalyze a lot of collective action and systems change. So I'm, ex- I'm really excited about that. I, I hope to really help on this front. Love it. And now when you think about the broader space, you've done so much research over the years to learn more about the challenge in itself. You're now a subject matter expert. If you look at the broader problem as well and other areas that need to be addressed, are there still organizations out there, whether those are companies, governments, nonprofit organizations that inspire and excite you as of today? And what do you learn from them? And what can we learn from those organizations? Looking at the space, I've certainly learned a lot. And I think South Korea has probably done the most and has probably the most progressive waste policy of any country I've seen to date. And they just can't afford to throw out the things that we do. Where in the US, like we waste or we dispose of like 95% of our food scraps. Like in South Korea, they recover 95% of their food scraps and either goes to animal feed or to compost and it goes back to the soil. And I think if we're going to meet our climate goals as a society, like we're going to have to get better. And there's the work that the state of California has done and the state of Washington has done to make food waste disposal or food waste diversion required over, over the next couple of years. Maybe there's areas that the rest of the country can learn from Washington and California. But yeah, there's a lot of work we got to do. Very complex problem. Like there are folks that are working on making food last longer, like appeal, like where fruits and vegetables could last longer on the shelves and software companies that are working on making the supply chain smarter and changing purchasing behaviors and purchasing orders. And there's the stuff that we're going to do at home in our businesses. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of work we got to do, but this is a tractable problem. This is a solvable problem. And that's one of the reasons why I'm optimistic. Yeah. Last question for you, Matt. Mill. What will the world look like if Mill is as successful as Nest has been so far? Oh, man, if, if I could dare to dream, I would love to say that we could stop sending things to landfill. Now, obviously, we're starting with food and food waste is a huge issue. But what if we could end waste? No one likes waste, but we kind of accepted that it has to exist. And what if it didn't? That would be the dream one day. If you would like to learn more about Mill or sign up for a membership, visit mill.com. As always, you can find additional resources and links in our show notes. Thank you for joining us for this episode. If you liked what you heard, like and subscribe to our podcast at foodlaptop.com or wherever you listen to your podcast. And as we close, I invite you to pursue your own bold vision and inspiring actions towards a better food system for us all. See you next time.